0: Welcome back, Rampants, to the SaaS Ramp podcast. I'm your host, Podcast Pete, welcoming Colin Spectrum to the show today. Colin's VP Sales at Hypergrowth Organization, Orem. Really happy to have you on today. Welcome, Colin.
1: Thank you, Podcast Pete. Love it. Thanks for having me on the show. This is awesome.
0: <laughs> Appreciate it. Yeah, that's my, that's my fun little here's Johnny moment before we dig into some insights. <laughs> I love uh, it. I've been I've been kind of tracking the organization, seeing what you guys have been doing just most recently, just before we even kick off a big congrats on that, on that RepView top 20 list for, uh, for sales organizations. It's super nice to get that kind of like that little round of applause from somebody outside the organization. So congratulations.
1: Thank you. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's you know, it's, it feels good to get some, some validation and knowledge from, from especially an organization like RepView where a lot of folks are turning to you now for for ratings and opinions on sales organizations that are great places to work and invest your career. So yeah, we're, we're super pumped about that.
0: Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. And it's been validated twice now It's for anybody watching, you might've seen another, a participant, another guest from Orem. So we, this is not a mistake. Orem is so good. We want two guests, two guests from Orem. So yeah, I can't wait to, to unpack it with you here. Maybe we'll kick it right off. I know you're in hyper growth. Everything's going really well, but that does not mean it's easy. So if you're thinking back the last couple of quarters or maybe six months, what would, what would you categorize as the biggest challenge in the last six months?
1: Yeah, I mean, we, in the last really two quarters, we've doubled our sales team and we're 100% remote company. And so onboarding, enablement, getting your people to speak the same language, especially when you're an early stage company, right? You might not have the enable enablement operations and kind of wherewithal that a large company would have, where, of course, you're used to hiring large classes of reps. I and mean, we, we hired so many reps in, in such a short succession of time. I think that put a big emphasis on, of course, pipeline generation OAs, but enablement, you know, investing the resources there, making sure we've got And it really, you know, it really pressure tested our our playbook and in the best ways, right? It showed us areas that we needed to focus more training and enablement. Really helped us identify and and nail in further our hiring profile. Get really crystal clear on like what we're willing to coach and not willing to coach for anyone coming in the door at our stage. And and so we we've gotten just a, a great out of this the past six months. I mean, just a great class of reps and. And I think an even clearer vision of what enablement onboarding looks like at Borum for the next phase of growth that we're entering now. So,
0: okay, I'm not at all surprised to hear that. Like, based on how fast you're growing and and the kind of like the the kind of headcount quotas that you might even be under simply to to fill those seats with because there's business out there to be had. So that's yeah. that's this, this something we hear kind of frequently from organizations your size. Maybe maybe. I'd, I'd like to know more about you because, because like, there's there's various contexts for hypergrowth that different organizations can have. Yep. You know, I was mentioning I work at Postman, so for Postman, it was the product-led growth and the fact that there was maybe 10 million or more developers using the tool for free or for a low-paid self-service before they added anybody on the go-to-market team. For orem like, what's the context for hypergrowth? Why are you guys just taking off?
1: Yeah, I, it's. It's a combination of, I think, good product market fit, solving a big business problem, big business problems, right? So lowering customer acquisition costs, reducing sales ramp time, improving sales efficiency. And right now, especially in this market, in this economy, revenue orgs are trying to figure out how to do more with less. And and I know you're, you're probably hearing that a lot, but. Yep. Orm is an answer to that problem. We are an efficiency solution. We are an AI that augments what you would normally hire a human being to do and automate a lot of the manual tasks and manual work typical human beings would do. almost like hiring you know robots on the factory floor to put the widgets together. Orem's AI is doing work like that for your sales team, and so starting to automate. More and more of what a typical sales rep would do to even prepare for prospecting and conversation. So, or a live conversation platform powered by the latest in machine learning and artificial intelligence. And, and the AI we build is, is really focusing on removing the drudgery that a rep would normally take to get into conversations with their target market or customer conversations to talk about a renewal or look for new business opportunities at a, a career, you know, account. So there are different features and functions we have to, to do that and assist your salespeople. And, and the reason we're seeing this hyper growth right now is just the market's ready for this. I mean, AI is, is becoming more of a widely adopted understanding, just generally, not just in sales, but, you know, across, across our, our whole, you know, economy and society right now. And so the problems that we solve impact revenue and business risk and all uh, some of the key kind of value drivers that most major organizations are thinking about every day and every quarter and every year right now. So,
0: okay. Yeah. What a good, I mean, it's hard. Anytime you say the word good in the same sentence as macroeconomic headwinds, you know, you, (laughs) you have immediate regret, but. The timing, the timing is, is accurate if you can provide some of those efficiencies and like increase productivity, do more with less or do more with the same or what have you. So it, it does make sense. Was that something that, you know, some of these companies that I've spoken with in the hypergrowth realm, they had something for kind of like remote work set up because they say, oh, you know, naturally we'll head this way. And then we moved into the pandemic and it accelerated that. Is there any kind of things environmentally? that have happened to accelerate orm or do you think it was just about that time AI, like you mentioned, is better understood, et cetera?
1: Yeah, I, absolutely. So I think a combination, right? People have always been prospecting, whether we were in back of the office or, or remotely, I'd say what, what's helped to accelerate orm's growth is we have developed our platform really for that, that hybrid or remote work environment as well. So we, part of our platform is a virtual sales floor so you, you have this engaging and gamification experience to, to bring the kind of buzz of a real sales floor to your virtual environment. And so one of the, the big problems I was hearing from sales leaders just across my peer network is it, it was becoming increasingly difficult and still increasingly difficult to get, keep your your sales development reps engaged, your inside sales team engaged and trained and speaking the same language in a remote world. And and Zoom fatigue was becoming a thing. And so offering another solution for folks to get on a platform and do the, of course, the table stakes of their job, prospecting and pipeline generation and, and closing revenue, but providing a fun environment, a platform that fosters gamification and enablement and coaching, making it fun, which is. Part of the fun in being on a sales scene, like, you know, early in my career was on the sales floor, you know, and, and doing the games and hearing the person next to you getting the objection and, and kind of like having that empathy in real time. And so a lot of that started to be lacking in this hybrid or remote world. And with Aurum, it's a big problem we, we've been focused on solving. And so keeping engagement, keeping the buzz going, even though a virtual setting is, has been a key ingredient over the last call it 18 months or so
0: yeah yeah i can't i can't i've told everybody because i i I hit up onboarding i deal a lot in that space for postman and i do feel it for the reps who come in especially getting their start you mentioned business development sales development account development whatever like the, sure. the um, prospecting role as well as inside sales i did both of those roles in person and i came from the classroom and from the fields i was in Educator and a coach, and moved into that role like later on, like baby on the way. And I was like, "Well, it's been good on that teacher salary. Let's try to go some. Let's go ahead some other direction." And that was the introduction into SaaS sales. And like it was so because so you're learning. It's difficult, but you're you're picking up those vibes that you have side to side, and you're hearing in real time things that are especially at the time difficult to replicate. So it is good that they're having that. I tried doing it from home because my boss like. Barrett, shout out Barrett. He, he was like, he's good with it. He knows I'm still going to go make the dials. But the minute I got to the house, I just wanted to be traffic home and then spend two hours at the house finishing out just so I could add 45 minutes of productivity to my day. And it was not the same. That was two hours a day as opposed to 100% of the time. So, you know, hard to imagine trying to pick up learning, onboarding, ramping, and then, you know, just having a little bit of that energy and excitement. So, I Um, I do love those kind of platforms. It's a new, it's going to have to be the new normal for the way some of these things work, I'm thinking.
1: Oh yeah. We all have to evolve and and adapt to just the new working world that we're in. And, and Norm, we're really happy to offer some solutions to help with this. So.
0: Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. That's great. So, so you have so many people coming in. Let me just ask this one a little bit. It's more on the personal side, but like you're leading a lot of folks a lot very rapidly and it doesn't have to be from your leadership position it might have been somebody you had in a leadership position that you absolutely love however but you have a favorite leadership moment by chance
1: favorite leadership moment it's i'm trying to think of a good one i mean seeing just seeing people that i hired as individual contributors achieve their personal goals their personal wins like i know you had daisy on the show and Daisy was originally hired as an account executive here at Oram. Actually, I had worked with Daisy back at Namely and and helped bring her on as a sales developer ramp. So I've really seen her grow in her career from SDR to to SDR manager to AE to manager to now director. And and through that, as her as her income has has a increase in personal goals that she's hit, you know, start to build her real estate empire. And so you know, in leadership. You want to help your people achieve their personal goals, and their personal wins. And, 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 so Daisy's a great, a great highlight. Also recently we brought on somebody from outside of SaaS, outside of our industry. And, you know, when, when you're an early stage company, you, you, you really ask yourself like what you're willing to coach on, what you're not willing to coach on. And you, you don't really have the enablement resources that, you know, a larger company. It's not like going to work for Snowflake or Salesforce where they can teach anybody that has kind of the communication acumen. And so, you know, we, in my opinion, we kind of took a risk with someone who was coming from real estate, no tech sales background, but they, they were the top rep of the quarter, top rep of the month, last month as well, and beat their ramping quota, top of the leaderboard. And so that person was a, a super highlight just to show that, you know, we were able to take someone with and then internally here with limited and implement resources uh, to develop them and train them and get them into a closing kind of position here. So it's kind of opened our, our mind beyond even, you know, people within tech and SaaS. And because it's, you know, it, it adds a bit more uncertainty, a bit more risk, just if you don't have the training capacity in place yet. So that's, that's been a, a bright spot recently.
0: Yeah, that's that's excellent. I r- really do love to hear that with leadership. Just looking at folks and watching them on their progression and really getting something out of that. It's good you get something out of that too, because when you take that leadership position, like your days are no longer your own. You know, oh yeah, quote, it's <laughs> longer your own, which is in a way you're like, oh yay, and then after like two seconds, you're like, oh, like this is what this means now. Yes. Yeah. So.
1: Yeah, yeah. your, your calendar is owned by by your people. Absolutely.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> love it. Okay. What about now? So you mentioned onboarding. That is one of them. So that one's that one's kind of an, an obvious piece of the puzzle, but you're trying to potentially move up markets. These are just guesses. Like you're trying to get the, the go-to-market program put together. You're hiring rapidly, trying to scale. There might be product releases every X number of days, weeks, months, quarters. What would be the top challenges associated with just hyper growth, just the the sheer speed of growth within your organization?
1: Yeah. So, so, I mean, a couple of things you touched on there, I think moving up market, when you move, when you start to move from SMB and mid-market where we really got a lot of our early traction to now towards the enterprise where we're, we're, we're selling into, you know, mega corporations, right? Big, you know, fortune 100 companies, even your, your motion has to change. Like the way you approach legal and and contracting and security and and even just sales presenting and consensus building, the foundational skills you learned in the mid market will help. But it, it is truly a different motion. And I think until you tried to go through it and are going through it, it doesn't really hit you. And 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 your whole organization has to get behind this intentional move. Right there, there will be features and functions that the enterprise require. That that go kind of beyond what your mid market product market fit you know has right and so your whole you have to get your whole organization bought in in this type of change focus in a change and focus on the market that you're you're focused on servic- servicing. So for us at Aura, you know that's been a big transformation for us is two things really that were two 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 paths. One is going across the pond beyond North America and starting to sell to. European and UK-based companies who have others, you know, features and requirements and compliance needs as well. Folks pushing up market, so both of these in tandem are really kind of pressure testing and kind of forcing us in this hyper growth mode to cat to to kind of catch up and really think about from a compliance perspective, from a security, from a legal perspective that we're we're reducing sales friction. That we're putting the right resourcing in place to support moving in these markets, and so th- there are a couple of big bets that we're making right now, which you know we're we're 100 betting are gonna are gonna pay off long term, and so we're starting to see the fruits of that. But yeah, so I think for anyone listening, like as your company moves, you know, if you start in the SMB and you want to go for the enterprise, you have to realize you need all the stakeholders bought in internally, right? You need to have your, your product team, your legal team, your finance team you know, with legal and you might have to do some bespoke, you know, agreements versus, you know, in the mid market, everybody has to be on your paper that sometimes it doesn't work in the enterprise. That's just one small example. So, you know, happy to dive in deeper there as well.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. Like, I guess any tips for others, this is very common too. So like any tips for other leaders taking this step, like, cause there's, there's a place where there's, cause it's up and down, maybe a tip for alignment towards other departments and and up into maybe founder ceos as well as for how to bring the team with hey you have a quota i know that's being supplied by mid-market today you're going to want to keep 80 percent of your deals in that realm maybe if that's how it works and but why don't you try for a couple of these so we can try to get the messaging and the motion down for some of these enterprise deals as you like there's some kind of split maybe happening as you yeah they call it the building building the plane while you fly it like there's that whole concept but any tips exactly, for up and down yeah.
1: I mean that's exactly how we we started it now we're 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 putting more focus just on enterprise now, but in the beginning it was taking our top kind of mid market reps that had the bi- the the highest kind of sales acumen if you will and putting them more in a blended patch where they're they're strategically focusing on some some whales but for velocity and to protect you know their income and the company's you know needs from a quota attainment, still working some of those mid-market deals. And then now that we've proven some of those enterprise accounts where we're putting more focus there for those those top reps that have proven they can sell to that market and as well in terms of recruiting, start to be able to recruit confidently proven enterprise folks. So
0: Nice. Okay. Okay. So that is interesting. That would be the, you peel off a couple and go send them into those markets and, and give that a shot. It's perfect. Yeah.
1: Yeah, we we didn't go all in like from from from. It wasn't like, hey, like you're gonna go test the enterprise enterprise quota. No, we we took really we took one person in the beginning and said, hey, you know, keep these mid market accounts, but let's also go for these twenty enterprise accounts. Let's see what we can do here. Okay. And so, and it was similar with the UK. It was like, hey, you're not just gonna focus on just the UK. Take these twenty UK accounts and see if we can get some traction there, prove out the market before we make a big bet.
0: Okay, that makes sense. And then what about? And by the way, that's kind of like keep your day job kind of feel. Mm-hmm. When somebody's like, you're like, hey, yeah, I'm doing great at stand up com- comedy tonight. You're like, cool, keep your day job for a while. Let's just make sure, it yeah. works or something like that. Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah. You got your sign, your sign hustle, and then you're still your day job. That's
0: right. Yeah, yeah. Here's your podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So what about up, Any or back to product team, engineering team? You yeah. know, we're 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 spread across from india across the states i mean we're in like 20 countries now and and have been for a long time at, at postman so how, how do you work that communication and like how does how does that how did they understand voice of the customer and what the enterprise needs might be and as these things evolve do you have any tips for leaders on that
1: Communication's key right i know that's that's an easy answer to give but how, how do you foster that I, I mean we have our internal chat tools we a submission, we call it our challenges DOP, or we submit any challenges that we're running into with the product or or potential product market fit or feature requests or friction with the product for certain markets or certain customers. And so mm-hmm. the product team sees these submissions, plus we look at maybe any disqualified deals, why we had to DQ them, any closed loss deals, why we had to close loss them. And we're we now have product product marketing as well, helping to facilitate this research. But in the earliest days, it was really sales leadership and product kind of meeting hand in hand. Now we have product marketing really looking through the the data from Salesforce, plus the form submissions, and then we're starting to triage and prioritize. Hey, you know what is what is the the impact on on building certain features? Right, there's an opportunity cost to chasing any one feature. So when you're developing your roadmap, you have to think about where we're going. And if we're if we're making an intentional bet on the enterprise, that's why you need everybody aligned. You need your product team aligned. And then we need to look at the features and functions that we've submitted. Maybe it's specific roles and permissions and team-based reporting and divisional reporting. And it could be different, maybe currency, just as you start to enter these different markets and, and, and they have their own complexities there. So yeah, communication is key. Create, just to get tactical. I mean, make sure you have everything in Salesforce, you know, your disqualified reasons, your close loss reasons, your subcategories, start to report on this even in your earliest days, at least start collecting the information at the account level in your CRM, whether it's Salesforce or HubSpot or whatever you're using. And that will feed you later on, right? You'll already have a repository of data when you start to get to that part where you're like, hey, we're making an intentional decision. You know, like, for example, we, we recently launched a HubSpot integration and that was all thanks to data our team had been collecting over the past few years of how many accounts are on HubSpot. And we said, oh, we hit an we hit inflection where We're like, well, in our CRM, we've already got X millions of dollars of HubSpot in our CRM that we've had to say no to over the past four years. Let's go build this integration. Let's run a marketing campaign against the people we already know are qualified and on HubSpot. And boom, we've unlocked this revenue. We've just been collecting data on the past several years. So, all um, right. Oh, Don't neglect like that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So well, maybe there's three things. Then, like, I'm I'm hearing like a there's the single source of truth document challenges docket could have ended up with any department after it landed there, depending on the challenge. But it was at least one place where everybody was looking.
1: Oh yeah. And then, Google um, form, central Google form. Yep central google form yeah
0: i mean and then you had to make sure they didn't use a different copy of that same google form for their crm they actually plugged into like you Correct. know the sales force like please guys and thank you if you would please put this in there it's important to us because you know thank you for doing your administrative you know housekeeping piece that can sometimes be the you know shepherding reps to do so oh yeah um <laughs> And then time, you mentioned four years, like four years is like 40, sometimes in hyper growth. So just consistency over time of keeping that up. So now you have some data to work with. So, you know, the internal communications are a little bit more than I have a gut feeling that this will work, you know, if we, if we spend time and development resources to, for example, have that new technical requirement for HubSpot.
1: Yeah. I mean, we we've got a. One of our values at Worm is logic wins. And so, you know, yeah, your gut and emotion can say, oh, we want to go do this. But backing it up with logic is really important here to getting any proposal approved. And so the better you've been about collecting data and and logical arguments, the more likelihood you have at getting buy-in from other stakeholders and getting something done here. So,
0: That's cool. That's cool. Because that is like a, that's a very like sales driven concept. It feels like, but that's very much internal as well. I live in an internal world oh, yeah. now, and I used to live in a sales world. And I'm like, oh, internal is some ways like harder. Like, yes, you know, like there's, everyone's there's got
1: their initiative, and as a company grows, you gotta learn how to sell internally, right, and manage up, and 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 work and partner with your your counterparts, and keep communication strong with your your marketing leader, your product leader, and CS, and and everyone's on the same page, so
0: yeah 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 totally that's
1: a full-time job i think especially when you hit a vp of like a matured company like that becomes the job it's really communication over communication
0: that's that's i keep getting that one over and over every six months we seem to be a new company and i'm like
1: oh no i have
0: to learn that lesson again like one day i'll just it will be locked in Okay. Love to know. I mean, I'd be remiss not to, to know a little bit more about your, your, a little bit about your journey, you know, like, did you know it was going to be sales? Did you know it was going to be sales leadership? Like, how did that look for you and kind of, kind of what the route looked like?
1: Yeah. I, I've always been an entrepreneurial kind of startup guy, you know, startup person and out of college started a company That company wound up folding. We got a little bit of traction, but we wound up folding. We were all first time founders and kind of didn't really know what we were doing and didn't know how to fundraise and all that. And then I went and intentionally found a company that was at the series seed stage that had like successfully kind of like fundraised to the level, like Arco we didn't get and started there as an SDR. And, and then it quickly just worked my way up. My goal was really originally spend some time at different venture backstage companies.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And and I wound up just sticking around at this one company for, for five and a half years, this company called Namely. Mm-hmm. And, and I was able to, the reason for that is when you're in a hyper growth early stage company and you're doing well, like opportunities open up. You get a way to scratch the edge of entrepreneurship when you stay in the same company. And so like you're like an intrapreneur. Mm-hmm. And so I got to open new offices. I got to... Launch new product lines. And so it always felt like every, every couple of years, it felt like a new company for me. And so I stayed with Namely from SCR to AE to, to manager to director, leading teams and focusing on national enablement. And then I got the call to jump to Orem. And a friend of mine had started this company and I was ready to scratch that itch again. You know, I think Namely had grown to a company that was a big company. I was ready to get back into entrepreneurship. And so, you know, jumped on here and was the really the first W-2 hire at Orom, you know, came in as VP of sales, but really was just a glorified SDR again, you know, cold calling our way at at almost zero in revenue to to now, you know, a, a $350 million valued company over the last few years. So, so it's been, a, it's been a fun ride for sure.
0: Oh, that's great. Yeah. So it's a fantastic tale and I do, I really like you really do have to be an entrepreneur this you're the second vp sales who initiated directly out of college into a business and understood either oh i have to know sales to be a ceo or had this kind of like interaction and then went on into this other more structured world but i mean when we say structure is a very loose term with this it is just flying so yeah so so, so different
1: organized chaos or i forget the term yeah but it's like yeah
0: It's wild. And there's a certain type of person who does it and it's not quite like a, like a, a serial founder, but it's not too far off. So I I find it fascinating. Like the, the personality types that jump into it. Sure. I I mean, a ton of different ways I'd love to go, but maybe just for, for sake of, uh, for time and I promise not too long of your time today, but you, you kind of come through, you come through different organizations, learn from a lot of people and, uh, and and bumped into some folks along the way. So like anybody to pass some gratitude on to, any uh two to three thank yous, if you can even name names. I know it's hard when you're trying to like narrow down a list.
1: Yeah, I mean a couple of great sales leaders I worked for who who I think could be great for your show. Um Michael Mann, who was the VP of sales at, at namely I learned so much under his, his tutelage. Judson, Judson Griffin, who's now the SVP of North America for intercom. He was a sales leader I learned under at, at mainly as well. Jason Dorfman, CEO of Orem. I've learned uh, a ton from Jason and, and, you know, he, his background, uh, he had scaled rubric from zero to 300 million as the, as the inside sales leader there. And so I had, had so much kind of background in scaling hyper-growth sales organization. So those are just maybe three of the top that I I'd learned. I'd recommend, I mean, you already had Daisy on the show. I, you know, i have kind of turn from Daisy over the years as well. So your, your audience will have a great, some great nuggets from, from Daisy's show as well. I'm sure.
0: She made mention of you and maybe this is, I mean, it'll all air at some point, but it was eight, the eight, the two A's like the attitude and the activity and things yes. like that. And she rattled that right off. I mean, I'm like, Dude, you, you, uh, she's a highly intelligent person anyway, but she's like, th- she's also highly trained. And so I was like, okay. Oh. I got you like that, that came quick to her mind on, on those two A's. So that was, that was your input there.
1: That's what we say. We say two levers you can control every single day, your attitude and your activity. When everything else is going crazy, everything else around you, those are two things, no matter what you can always control. I love that because
0: it is not just sales. Like I can imagine back into my like biology classroom of yesteryear, and I could just be telling that to like the, the, the back row of like rowdy boys as well. But listen, fellas, we can only (laughs) like control these two things. Could we control any of it today? You know, that's right. uh, That's
1: right. I mean, sometimes you just had to separate the kids. You know, I remember being in that biology class and like the teacher's like, Colin, you were failing my class. Okay, what are we going to do about this? And, and it was like, well, I guess because I'm playing around with that guy in the back, so maybe we should sit separate. And wound up turning things around. And sometimes it's little fixes like that, just you know, set up your environment for success. You know what I mean? Right. It was a lesson there.
0: Right. Well, sometimes when they're and it's not clicking, and maybe this is a sales lesson somewhere. I remember one. Kid who's just having this just most trouble ever. And he was smart, but he just didn't want to do anything, which, look, man, it's public school. Like, I kind of understand. So I just find, hey, what are you going to do? Like, for a little, like, when you get out of here, what are you going to do? Because he was telling me he's going to quit. He's only 14. You got to wait till you're 16. I'm like, it's a bad situation. But at some point, like, let me meet you where you are. His dad had a fencing company. I'm going to take over my dad's fencing company. I'm like, does he have room for you? Is he ready to retire? He's like, no, no, he's only blah, 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 age. He seemed young. And I was like, okay, well, why don't you go find out what that top line revenue looks like and see if he's got a for Like, let's figure this out. Together, I'm teaching science. It's not even like a math class where this is somehow applicable, but it's just the human being. And he came back. He's like, "We're gonna have to two or three x that revenue in order to have place for me." I was like, "Well, buckle up, man. Let's just get through this together. Let him work on that, and then you can come help him in a few years." Does he want you to get a high school degree? He's like, "Yeah." He kind of said that. I was like, "All right, let's go." Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah
1: I mean, education something you can always take with you. You know what I mean? So that's great that you you're fostering that in uh, those young students.
0: And then you mentioned about knowing even what your, your, some of your reps, other goals were, you mentioned like, it was a little offhand thing about real estate before. And I just like picked up on that. I was like, you even know what they want to do, like what their like life ambitions are. It's super powerful. You
1: gotta know what their why is. Yeah. I mean, like what, what, what are they, what are they driving for? Cause sales is freaking hard. Right. And it's like, what, like, what are the goals? And let's back into that. Right. Like, uh, you know, and if it's, if it's to make a lot of money, but like what, how much money? What, what is, why is that number? significant? Is there a house, a mortgage you're trying to you know, save up for or certain, certain milestones or goals, college fund, whatever it is. And I think it just makes it more real. And you, and you can do the back of the napkin math on the, the number of deals it's going to take to get there, the number of meetings, number of calls to set the meetings. And it just makes it more real, right? It, you start with the WT number, but what, what's behind that number? Why do you want to make a million dollars and do Right. Yeah. It's yeah. It's, it's great if you if you can know that as a manager as a coach, it, it just helps keep your reps focused on the bigger prize when you know shit is going crazy. Right. There's that big point of sale that we're still going towards, even though the waves are hitting us and the wind is blowing and we're having to tack and and move the ship around. We know exactly where we're still going.
0: Yeah, a purpose up ahead. That's that's yep. that's really really good leadership advice. Then I have one more and just one more. It's because that might have been the advice, but if you had tip for yourself from, from, say, 10 years ago, but just younger self in general, knowing what you know now, maybe having the, the bright, fresh feeling of 10 years ago, I don't know about that one. What would that might have been for yourself as far as like, yeah, just a, just a piece?
1: 10 years of- ago, buy Bitcoin. Um, no, but <laughs> yeah, li- live off your base salary and invest on your commissions. I think. That would be the smartest financial advice I'd give anybody in sales because you do have these two streams of income built into your job and you build your life to live off your base and invest all your commissions. that's on the financial side on the other piece of this get focus on mindfulness and focus on like I would tell myself like really really pay attention to what type of work feeds you and fills your cup and fuels you and what kind of work detracts that and then you know, and 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 sucks your energy and like like exhausts you. And then you also know how to stack your days because, you know, you're not going to get to only do the work that fuels you, right? But understanding how you work, you want to build your day where you're getting a healthy balance of both types of work, right? If you know you have to build the comp plans and, for, and forecast and if that's draining work for you and you love coaching and motivating and teaching and training, right? You want to stack those moments up and wrap it around the exhausting work too many days of the exhausting it, it can really lead to burnout and so my advice to a 10 year old you know 10 year ago self would be to have outline that sooner and and that way you're not questioning why you're having those moments of like maybe drain or, or hard days and you just have more introspection and mindfulness about who you are and the type of work that kind of sparks you. Yeah,
0: that's fantastic. I really, I really, really like that. That's, those are two like very practical takeaways. I kind of, kind of sense that you tell your team these things fairly frequently.
1: I try to, yeah, yeah. Whether they listen to you or not, no, but no, it's good. This is awesome, Pete.
0: Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Thanks for the time, Colin. Really appreciate it. I know our audience will appreciate it as well. So thanks on behalf of them and yeah, look forward to staying in touch and seeing what wonderful things you guys will do ahead.
1: Sounds great, Pete. Yeah. Much success to you, to you as well. And uh, thanks for having me on the show here.
0: Cheers.